You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. This week's guest on the Tom's Talks podcast is former 76er Jerry Stackhouse. The North Carolina standout went third overall to the 76ers in the 1995 NBA draft. He played 175 games with the Sixers over two-plus seasons. Overall, Stack forged an 18-year NBA career that included two all-star appearances, and he scored over 16,000 points. Now he's turned to coaching. After two successful seasons in the G League, including the championship and Coach of the Year honors in 2017, two more years as an NBA assistant followed, and currently Jerry is the head men's basketball coach at Vanderbilt University. Here's my conversation with Jerry Stackhouse. Welcome to another edition of Tom's Talk. We're joined by the head coach of Vanderbilt University, former Sixer Jerry Stackhouse. And coach, thank you so much for joining us. I know you've been busy, a bit of an unsettled time, but appreciate the time here. How's it going? Uh, it's going, Tom. It's been been hectic, been busy. Um, even though we've all kind of been quarantined, it's still been a lot more energy trying to get on Zoom calls and recruit, you know, you know over over Zooms and, you know, FaceTime and all those things. But, you know, we're enjoying it, man. We've been able to, to still, uh, you know, bring in a couple of some talented players. Um, so we're just ready to, ready to get back, man. It's just uh, it's long overdue. What's your spiel like Vanderbilt? Great school. You play in a fantastic league in the SEC. Yourself, an 18-year NBA player, a staff that's going to help develop your players on and off the court. What, what do you pitch to these young men that you'd hope to come to Vanderbilt? Oh, man, I need to hire you, Tom. You just hit it all on the head right there. <laughs> that's what we do, man. It's a great opportunity to, um, you know, you know, get an education that's second to none. You know, first and foremost, I mean, that's what Vanderbilt, you know, stand, you know, stands on. Um, an opportunity to play in the SEC, you know, Power Five conference that um, has produced as many pros as anybody over, you know, the last ten years. Um, and then, you know, have access to 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 me and my staff and and what we're how we're able to to continue your development and for guys that have aspirations of playing at that next level. Obviously, we have we understand what that looks like. Know, from 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 myself, as well as um, other guys that I have on staff. You know, I went and it's kind of a a, a, a melting pot of uh, talent there. You know, I have you know Adam Azura who worked with me in Memphis, who you know he did all of the draft workouts, and you know really great. And that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted coaches who could get still get on the floor. I mean, I, I still get on the floor with them, and because I can do that, I wanted coaches to still be able to do that because I think that's where they. Um, you know, get better. I mean, yeah, you want guys that can recruit and can relate to, to, to guys and can call them in real relationships. But once you're here, you know, we, you know, we want to focus on you. We're not focusing so much on the next guys. We want to focus on, on the kids that's here and knowing that, you know, our, our staff is, is built to do that. I, I got grinders. I got guys that get out there and sweat just like the players. And I think that's when you really see that return 
um, on your investment when you put that sweat equity in and, and, and you see the results. No doubt about it. Uh, tough league, Kentucky. I mean, and your school has beaten Kentucky <clears throat> and Tennessee and over the years. But, uh, you know, two years ago before you got there, they had not won a league game. Last year you guys finished strong in the league, having won three right there at the end. Your selection process in terms of recruiting because of the rigors and the academic standards at Vanderbilt are, are more difficult. It's a tough challenge, is it not? Well, I think, you know, some would look at it as a challenge. It's not as easy as going in and uh, walking into the top 100 camp and, okay, like, I like him, I like him, I like him. We have to kind of come around the back end a little bit. We have to, you know, identify guys that we know are good students um, and, and are still really good athletes. I mean, there's a ton of parents and, and kids who want this environment and, um, and want this type of uh, education, both, both, both sides of it. You get the education and the, the athletics. Um, there, there's a number of kids, we just got to find them. You know? And I think we've done a good job of finding them. It was a little bit tougher early on because we were, uh, we were taking over another, you know, someone else's roster and, 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 and I didn't, I, I thought our roster was still pretty good. And then we you know, had hit some injuries and different things like that and had to kind of readjust on the fly. We lost our best player right in the, the very first game of conference play. And our you know, starting center, probably five or six games before that. So it's like, okay, my outlook of, of what I thought this team could be changed kind of mid, mid-season. But, you know, to our credit, our guys kept fighting, kept listening. And by the end of the, you know, the regular season, we were a team that nobody wanted to play. So I think it, um, you know, we were doing that pretty much with uh, six, six, six scholarship players and, and four or five walk-ons. So, you know, now that we got a full roster, Obviously, I'm optimistic and, and really excited to, to, to get back. Now, as you said, you kind of, as far as recruiting, sometimes have to go at it a little bit differently. And you came about coaching a little bit differently. And, you know, you, you started watching your son play AAU. Mm-hmm. You felt like, wow, this is a little bit loose. So we're going to get into how it all evolved to how you ended up in, in Nashville with Vanderbilt. But did you ever see before that even even developed? Did you think you would be post basketball player, a coach? Well, I mean, if you look at the kind of the track records for the guys that uh, for um, that played for Dean Smith, you know, quite a few of them went into the coaching ranks. I didn't think I was going to be one of them, um, but uh, I just think as a as a player, I always gravitated toward trying to help you know the younger players. You know, especially during my time in Detroit and Dallas, I just took on that you know you know, the elder, elder statesman role, you know, with the teams a lot because I didn't have that at, you know, when I was got drafted by the Sixers, you know, I, I had guys that, you know, almost, you know, some, they wanted to allow you to make a mistake because it felt like it would be another opportunity for them. You know what I'm saying? The only guy that really came and took me under, under their wings and showed me how to, you know, chase off screens and be a shooting. Like I played power forward in college and pretty much you know, up until that point, I got drafted as a shooting guard, but I've never been a shooting guard in my life. So I needed someone to, to take me on the wings. And, and to my credit, Vernon Maxwell was the guy, you know, he, he just saw me getting killed off the screens. And he was like, come here, you know, come here, pimp. Come here, I got something for you. I got something for you. And like, you know, you got to put your hand on his outside hip. And now and then from that on, I was good. You know, I, I didn't have any problems chasing off screens. So it was just, you know, guys that watched me run into those screens time and time again, like, okay, if he keep messing up, then that'd be my opportunity. And, you know, it's unfortunate when you see guys, veterans that have been around that, and I just said I was never going to be that guy. So whenever I had an opportunity, no matter if they you know, drafted them or 
It was a free agent. I was going to make sure that I, you know, put my arms around those guys, Jermaine Jackson's, all those guys that um, team Cleese, you know, you guys, you guys are staying over in my house. Make sure that you're not late for practice as rookies. And, and so I think that that started early on, even before I felt like I was ever going to be a, a coach. Um, but I just think that um, it's kind of, kind of something that's innate type of quality that you just, just want to help. You spent two years in Chapel Hill and played for the legendary Dean Smith, Blue Heaven, as we call it. You were thinking about possibly playing at Duke in Durham, but the Carolina way and playing for Coach Smith, um, what was that like? That must have shaped you even today as a coach. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, I, I pattern a lot of what I do and who we are and our foundation on the same foundation that, that I learned under Coach Smith. I, I felt... I felt like it worked pretty good for me that it should work for other guys that are aspiring to, you know, play at that next level and do things. But it was, yeah, I mean, it was a challenge, you know, early on because it was like you, you come in as this highly touted, you know, high school player and then you come into a team where uh, they just won a national championship. You know, I was, I was really coming to North Carolina because they hadn't won a championship since Michael Jordan was there and I wanted to be the guy to help get them over the hump. And lo and behold, you know, that spring, they win the championship. So it's like, it kind of took a little bit of my own father out of going there, but still the, you know, uh, the prospect of playing under Dean Smith, learning him, seeing the track record of the guys that have come through there. I, you know, I, I stayed with my commitment. And, um, you know, and it was there. And again, it's, it's you got these hot shot freshmen with myself, Rasheed and Jeff McInnes. Now we're coming into a team that just won a national championship and, you know, we're, right. we're going at them every day. And so it was, um, you know, because I had some tough conversations where I was knocking on Coach Smith's door. Like, I, I feel like I should be playing more. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting up, you know, these type of numbers. I'm, you know, I'm averaging 13 points in 18 minutes. So imagine if I was playing 28 minutes or 30 and, you know, and Coach right. Smith at the time told me, well, you know, I need you to focus on, you know, trying to with Brian Reese, who's a senior, you guys need to try to be the best small forward in the country together. You know, as an 18-year-old, what is my reaction? I feel like I can be the best small forward in the country by myself. I don't need to do it with, with Brian Reese. Um, but it's just understanding that you have to have to sacrifice. And that, and that was that was a, ch a challenge somewhat that, that freshman year. I was, you know, I was like probably typical freshman. Uh, probably every other week, one week I'm happy, one other week I'm ready to transfer. You know, so, um, but Again, I, I always tell the story. My mom, I was, you know, again, it had kind of just boiled over. Like I was come back to the dorm and I was talking and telling her that I just felt like I could be doing more and doing this. And she heard me out, listened to my whole spiel and just, you know, you know kindly told me if you start running now, you're going to be running for the rest of your life. And it was just something that, that dawned on me and I, you know, I stuck it out. And I'm so glad that I stuck it out. You know, two weeks later, I'm the most valuable player of the ACC tournament. And, you know, pretty much the rest is history. So, Right. And you guys um, made it to the Final Four, right? In Seattle yeah, we later. made it to the Final Four that uh, my sophomore season. You know, Rashid got hurt. I got a deep thigh bruise right at the first play of the game. I go back and watch that game and still uh, it's like, man, you know, how, how – how did this happen on the very first jump ball? You know, Corliss Williams gave me a knee to the thigh, so I'm playing pretty much on one leg, you know, Break that game. The big nasty. Hey, man, and we still had the big nasty, the big nasty. So it was yeah. – but, yeah, we, we had, had had a really good team, man, a really good run. Um, you know, at, at the end of that uh, that Final Four run, 
made a decision to, to, to leave, talked it over with Coach Smith and my mom and felt like it was the best thing for me to, uh, to leave after my sophomore year. Uh, got drafted by Philadelphia and, uh, you know, was there for, for a number of years. Obviously, we weren't good teams, weren't playoff teams, so I was able to go back and, and finish up school and, and all those things, things, promises that I made to Coach Smith and my mom. And right. uh, I'm so glad that I did that, you know, because now I wouldn't, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have the opportunity to, to do what I'm doing now and that's, you know, coaching, coaching at the collegiate level. Right. Such, such a great thing to finish your education. And then you come to Philadelphia, as you say, you were the number three pick. That was my first year as well. That was a big deal. I mean, you came with a lot of acclaim uh, and a lot of excitement. What was that like, first of all, to be drafted and then come to Philadelphia, an iconic NBA franchise? It was really like just a blur, you know, from the high school until getting to Philadelphia was really like a blur. I felt like the two years in North Carolina went extremely fast, you know, getting drafted. And, you know, there's a, um, you know, unbeknownst to me, I'm just gung ho and excited about, you know, being in the NBA, being in Philadelphia. I mean, not knowing that the team's for sale, <laughs> you know, and, you know, his new new ownership was about to come in, and the guys that right. that, that drafted me uh, just a year before weren't going to be the decision makers going forward. And you know, so it was, um, you know, had a you know rough year. We won, you know, eighteen games, played with about forty people that year. Some something crazy. I think that might still be a record. The the number of right. people that that that, that Lukey ran in and out of there. Everybody that had you know been in in his center, he brought them in for a ten day. So it was. <laughs> It became a little comical there at the end, but uh, it, it was what it is. I mean, you know, at the time and then the next year, you know, they draft, you know, draft Allen. You know, in my mind, knowing that, I mean, I, I competed against Allen and, and knew the type of dynamic score that he was as well as myself, that I, I, in my mind, I felt like the best fit for our team and where we were had was, was Stephon Marbury. I was, you know, I was thinking Marbury was like, man, I got a pass first point guard and, um, that didn't happen, you know. Obviously, you know, Allen Iverson has done great things. He's an icon in Philadelphia, but it wasn't the best fit for me and and my game. You know, as a guy who who needed the ball. You know, I mean, it was so many times I felt like we were on the two on one break, and I'm sitting there, I, I almost got the ball in my hand, and it was a pump fake and a score because that's what you know, you know natural scores do. So you know, but um, you know, but I think it was the best thing for me to eventually get to Detroit and I was able to spread my wings and show that I was still, you know, all-star talent, even though, I, again, I said I never played shooting guard before in my life, but I was able to continue to work and develop myself to become an all-star at this level and, you know, carve out a, you know, a pretty long career, um, you know, in, in doing something that I, that I truly love. You had a uh... 58-point game, I believe it was, with the Pistons against Chicago one game? 57. Yeah, 50, Hines 57. That's what <laughs> – but, no, I was uh, – I, I had it going that night. It, you know, quite a few, a few guys was getting 50 points that year, and I had a number of 40-point games, but I just never eclipsed the 50-point, and then it was just like everything was clicking. I came out and, you know, made a couple shots in close, and then a few threes fall, and next thing you know um, – Everything I threw up was going in. So, it, and like I said, I kind of got tired because uh, I, when I look back at the game and I look at some of the shots that I, I did miss, I was like, man, honestly, I probably should have had 75 this game. You know, and, 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 and people are like, you're crazy. You, you had almost 60 points and you're saying like, no, I'm telling you, this right here, if I, if 
I'd have made this shot just to make it but, uh, 75 time. I should have had seven. <laughs> now, Stack, I was going to bring this up at the end, and this is how absurd it is that I'm bringing it up now after you said you scored 57 in the game. But when you seamed up the ball, most guys, your middle finger is right in the middle, but you seamed up the ball with your index finger in the middle. And the reason I, I jokingly bring it up is we had a preseason game your second year. Johnny Davis was our coach. We were in Anaheim. I believe we might have played the Clippers. And I just was questioning you. I wasn't working on your grip or anything. But I remember I waited for Johnny Davis to leave and get on the bus. And then you and I sat on the bench. I don't expect you to remember this. We sat on the bench. I'm like, Stack, show me that. And, and of course, here comes Johnny Davis back into the gym. He sees us talking. He's like, you're not coaching my guys, are you? Right. Because, right. you know, <laughs> but you seen the ball up differently, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I mean I probably changed it up since then too. I mean, again, I was like when that was our first year, or that was or that was my second year with Johnny Davis. Um, right. You know, it's just like man, I was I was still working, so working out the kinks, you know, working right. out. I mean, I wish I'd have had all of the what I what I know now as far as shooting the ball. If I've been able to get some of the things that I've been able to give to young guys, you know, I think I would have become more. But and Coach Smith told me he was like, you know, you're you know, the way the ball release, you just got to get more reps and you become a pure shooter. And I, and I did. I became a you right. know, pure shooter. But it was just I had to continue to get those reps. And um, and I kind of like it was always nice. Like those two fingers put there and boom, right in there. Put those two two fingers right in the middle of, uh, of the rim as you follow through. And now it was just you add little subtle things like rubbing my rib. So that way it forces my elbow in instead of out. You know, little stuff like that, just just a little subtle thing. It's not not much, just a little rub to know that I touched my my rib that my elbow was in, and then you know just staying in the, my circle, little little pointers that over time and, and reps you can really um, improve your shooting. We'll have more of my conversation with Coach Jerry Stackhouse in a moment. In this time of social distancing, Novacare Rehabilitation is offering physical therapy from the comfort and safety of your home through their new tele-rehab program. Novacare will virtually bring their services to you so you may heal, build strength, and get back to the things you love. Tele-rehab lets you easily connect with one of Novacare's licensed therapists through web-based technology that is HIPAA compliant. For more information, visit novacare.com. And now back to my chat with Jerry Stackhouse. You mentioned your career and you moved on to, to different spots, including a big chunk of time, as you say, in Dallas. And then when you were an assistant in Memphis and Toronto, I remember sitting with you on the bench and like you played, and this was part of your message to those players in those franchises. And I want to get into your G League time too, but where you played every position. You were the top scorer. You were an all-star. Toward the end of your career, you were a reserve. You were the leader. And that helped form uh, really what you could bring to the table as an assistant coach, correct? Absolutely. I mean, I think you understand every seat. You know, you understand the seat of the star player. You understand the, the, the seat of guys that have been star players, and now you need them to transition to, you know, coming off the bench or to even to – you know, in my very last year where I was, wasn't even, you know, I, I played, but I, that wasn't the, the, the thought coming in was it was just to kind of be a locker room guy, mentor the guys, making sure, you know, we need you here and there, something cool. And then I wound up playing a ton. But I think that was just, to, you know, being able to work, you know, sit in all those seats. It helps me get into the psyche of the kids that I, that I have now. You know, it's like there's nothing that you're, 
going to go through or that you're going to deal with um, that that I haven't gone through. And like I said, you just got to continue to work and got to continue to, you know, I mean, there's no, I mean, I, I don't think, I'm pretty sure it is, but I, I don't think that there's any coach that wants to lose. And he's going to try to put out there the, 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 the players that's, that's going to help him uh, win and have success. And I think that's what our guys understand that every, the guys that I play with, and, you know, we got to be a defensive team first. I mean, for someone has scored as many points that I have, you know, the, the thing is that I, I'm a really defensive minded coach when, when it comes to it, because I understood things that I didn't like to see. So I pretty much built my, you know, philosophy of defense of things that as a, as a primary score, things that I didn't want to look at. And then, so um, just over time, man, learning and um, being able to be around other great coaches, you know, you know, with Coach Casey in, um, in Toronto, uh, you know, get, you know, give me that opportunity to come in and, and, and be an assistant on the staff one year from that. Then I was able to go to the G League, uh, ask me to coach the G League team and we win a championship the first year. We go back to the finals the second year. So, you know, people start to take notice. Oh, this uh, you know, stack might be know what he's doing a little bit, you know, and I think it really helped me to take a couple steps backwards. You know, a lot of guys like, man, why are you going down to the G League? You know, you're already behind the bench on the, you know, on the NBA team. Next step, you go. But, you know, I went from taking a step back to taking two steps forward. You know, I'm already getting interviewed for head coaching jobs, you know, to, um, and then I was, I was up for the Toronto job. They gave it to Nick and, you know, rightfully so. I mean, Nick did a great job, had a great uh, rapport with Masai, things that I didn't know, you know, even until after the fact when I'm in an interview that, you know, Masai played for, for Nick Nurse in, in England. You know, I, I wasn't getting that job, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, but it was cool to go through that process. Um, I interviewed with the Knicks. And, you know, and then I, you know, from that, I just felt like, okay, it'd be a little awkward still being in the organization, you know, knowing that I was up for, you know, the head job and, and, and the other guy got it. Uh, so I, you know, took an assistant job in Memphis, worked with J.B. Bickerstaff, who's great to work with, gave me a, you know, ton of responsibility. It was almost like he, because he understood it. He understood my dynamic. I had been a head coach for two years. So it, it was hard to make that adjustment to going back into a, an assistant role. Cause now right. you're, you're the suggestion guy. You're not the final decision maker. You're the guy that have right. to make the, the suggestions. And, and quite frankly, you know, when the opportunity came for me to, to, you know, Vanderbilt came calling, you know, uh, Malcolm Turner, who uh, got hired as AD, uh, you know, he saw me work firsthand in the G league. And he's like, man, I watched this guy develop talent and, you know, sometimes we're doing it with, you know, sometimes more with less. And that might be our model here at Vanderbilt that we're, okay, we may not get the five stars. We might get the four stars and three stars because of uh, the academic piece. So we, I need someone here to, 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 to develop. And right. it just was, it was a great timing, man. And, and, you know, I had to, you know, I had to take it again because I, I wanted to, you know, it's like a, it's like a fix. You know, you got to, you, you got to, got to get back. You got that bug. Once you've been making those decisions, then all of a sudden, I wanted to get back to making those decisions. So when, you know, when they, when they called me about this job, sat down with him, Candace Lee, uh, who's the, who's the AD now. Uh, Malcolm stepped down, but you know, we just have a great rapport. We got a great outlook on where we want to go. Uh, I think our the university is you know one of the most progressive in in the country. I mean to have a you know a female African American AD uh, you know and, and two African American 
head coaches in football and basketball, you don't find that, you know, especially in this climate that we're in right now where so much is about social injustice and you, um, you know, and they've been at the forefront, you know, as the teams talking about taking around, taking down civil rights monuments and stuff they've already done that you know so i i feel like i'm at a great place a great progressive place to really help make a change that's awesome stack speaking of that g league experience and elton brand is now our general manager and he did that in terms of working with the g league entity in delaware and again i go all the way back to the cba but you know you're on the road not just in the games but you're on the road you're making you can't Who's making? You're making the call. You make so yes. many decisions with the roster. I mean, just that right there is what you're kind of talking about. Not just the X's and O's and the in-game stuff, but pretty much all across the board, the travel, everything. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I have to give, you know, Masai, you know, a ton of credit, man. He entrusted a lot of me, you know, to be able to just like hand that team to me and uh, Dan Tozman, who it was really great to work with. He's the, you know, I think he's. A, the, general manager, assistant general manager now, you know, he moved up from, uh, from the 905, but, you know, he was just great to work with. We had a great rapport. We talked about, you know, the pieces that I needed or you talk, um, I think I'm good right now. I don't, you know, we want to make a trade. Somebody, agent called him, you know, and got a guy like, no, I like our team right now. These guys have been working hard and then he listened. So, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's great to have a rapport um, with someone like that. But, um, you know, we, we just were every hat, you know, whether it was just scheduling, right. you know, if it's dealing with the medical staff, it's dealing with the training staff, you know, managing your coaches, managing your assistants, managing different issues that come up as players, um, you know, I, you're able to do that. So I think, you, you know, being our guys ask me about, you know, what do you think about the G League? I was like, you get an opportunity to go to the G League, go. You know, go. You learn so much. I mean, that you would never have that much responsibility uh, in any role. I think on the NBA team, the where you have to understand so many other. But it would definitely help you understand other people's jobs and different things that they need to do. If you know, once you make it to a an NBA um, staff or roster, the landscape of college basketball in general, just with kind of with the COVID nineteen and everything up in the air. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out, you know, come October, November. But no doubt you'll be watching a former NBA player for 18 years, be watching the NBA when they go down to Orlando to see how that plays out in the bubble, so to speak. Won't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm excited, I'm excited about it, um, you know, because I hope everything works out. Uh, it's just uh, so many, you know, variables that are going to be thrown into it this time. Like, you know, like just imagine – you know, let's say, you know, the Lakers make it to the finals and you know, not to put anything on LeBron James, but he gets, you know, test positive. He's out of the, out of the finals. So, I mean, there's so many, I think that this is, a, you know, with the teams that they've added, um, you don't know who's been, you know, really focusing and working out, who's going to be a little bit behind. So, I mean, it's a great opportunity for, for a team that's not really on the radar to come in and, and steal a world championship. You know, maybe right. it's not going to be an asterisk by it. You know what I'm saying? If we're going to play the game, and, you know, at, at the end of the day, whoever wins, it wins it. So I think that's, that makes it uh, for, makes up for a lot of excitement, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Obviously, Brandon Ingram is a kid that I've had since he was like seventh, eighth grade. And, right. um, you know, they got a really exciting young team there in New Orleans. So I'm, I'm excited to see him and Zion and, 
and Zoe. I mean, that's that's my team now. You know, the, the, the right. Pelicans. The FBI, the pride of Kinston, North Carolina, right? Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. So this is uh, we'll wrap up with a couple, three kind of hot takes, smorgasbord kind of things. Okay. Uh, you can respond or whatever. But I have, like they say, I have a good memory. At least for now, it's probably gonna escape me at some time soon. But I don't forget a lot. I remember. When you your deal was with Fila, right? And you signed mm-hmm. that as a rookie, right? When your season started, so we're you and I are standing there at the, in the gym at, in St. Joe's in the corner, and I don't know practice. It might have been media day, but you had your whole Fila gear on, and I had Nike stuff on. It just happened to be like shoes, sweat. Mine probably came from TJ Maxx or Ross. <laughs> and you go, what? You, you got a deal? You got a Nike deal? I'm like, no. <laughs> they don't give the radio guy Nike. <laughs> And the other one was. I'm giving you props. I'm giving you props, Tom. Yeah. yeah, I got a Nike deal, um, <laughs> knockoff Nike deal. But the other one was Luke. John Lucas was a, a character, very charismatic. He was also the general manager. So sometimes Luke, when you remember this too, he, he would practice, right? And Luke would come over to me after he's like, "I was the best guard out there." I'm like, "Right, but you're the general manager too. That's great. You took Trevor Ruffin off the dribble, but right? I mean, Luke would be out there." Yeah, man. Compet- competitors are competitors, man. Look, he was get out there and because he could pass that thing. I and mean, him and uh, Mo Cheeks both, they get out there and even though they might not could run long, but when they the, the minutes that they run, they they show why they were why they were great. Right. And I won't bring up the Kobe thing. I know you played him, and I heard you talk to Woj. He didn't win every game, but it was amazing. Oh, by the way, nothing really to be ashamed of. Kobe turned out to be a pretty terrific player, but he was pretty around a lot. Player. Yeah, yeah, it was, man. I mean, I, I have no problem speaking on that because, I mean, again, I mean, it's a tragic loss for, for all of us. I mean, we we saw his career and saw what he was able to do. Um, and, but it's just like, you know, when, when you start talking about things like that, people, you know, Lord grows and and it's cool. I'm, I'm cool with letting the Lord grow because of um, who he is and because of his family. But, you know, at the end of the day, Jerry Stackhouse, you know him, he got a lot of pride and I'm, you know, and, Right. I ain't going to change that for anybody. Um, the other thing was, Luke, I can still see this in the locker room at St. Joe's. This is before there were like energy drinks, like a dime a dozen. But Luke had his little, the ginseng. Sawuchi. Sawuchi and all of, uh, what is the ginseng, the Sawuchi. I mean, Luke had so much of that stuff, man. I, Wasn't that funny, though? I had, I'm like, I, I don't. You think Jerry Sloan's making this for Carmelone right now? I don't think so. Oh man, it was it was unbelievable watching that stuff, man. I guess I had a, a my Taj, my massage therapist used to come down and she used to give me some uh, little ginseng and stuff to take, little ginseng root and stuff. I mean, I was like, oh man, I can't. The stuff is I can't believe Luke is drinking this stuff every day. It tastes nasty and bitter and everything, but <laughs> for whatever you know, it, it worked for him. Your brother, uh, Tony Dawson, uh, when I was in Florida, I saw his career at Gulf Coast Community College and then mm. Florida State. And then when he would come around uh, with you at the building, we always had a smile and a, and a great, great remembrance. But he was a terrific basketball player. Man, Tony, that's where I mean, like, because I tell everybody, you know, they feel like how you were a scorer. I'm like, man, you ain't seen my brother. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, when you're talking about career, really score the basketball. Uh, and he had an unbelievable story, man. Tony was hit by a car three times. I mean, like, who gets hit by a car once? But he got hit by a car three times. His foot was hanging off, had to have, his, you know, surgery, you know, move the bone from his hip to go in his foot. And he still managed to play 
um, professional basketball. Had a couple of 10 days with Sacramento and Boston, but man. played overseas for like 13, 14 years, man. So he's definitely an uh, inspiration for me. Always been a big, uh, one of my biggest supporters and the guy that I probably looked up to more than anybody else. You know, people will say, you know, who is you, who's you, Michael Jordan, uh, you know, Dr. J, all, all those was cool, but uh, Tony right. Dawson was it for me. You know what I'm saying? I, I was just one of those, um, you know, big brother things. And, you know, just one of, one of the most disappointing moments in my life was when he didn't get drafted because I thought he put himself in a great position. They was talking about him being a uh, late first round, you know, early second round, and we are watching the draft. And, you know, and, and the crazy thing about it, the last name, in the draft was like, you know, Tony and we were all like in there like Brown, you know what I'm saying? So it's like so, right. such a, uh, a disappointing moment, but that fueled me. I mean, that really, you know, that made, you know, that made me really focus in and know that I'm, I'm going to get drafted. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to work my butt off because that disappointment that I saw in his face and disappointment that our whole, our family had that night from him not being drafted was, was great motivation to fuel for me. And, and, you know, got, got me to the third pick, so it worked out pretty good. Right. Well, Jerry, we wish you the best. Uh, I'm just so happy for you. What a, what a job. You must be really stoked to get ready for another full year. I know it's going to be different, as we stated, but to get back with the Commodores and, and get after it with your second season down there in Vanderbilt. Uh, I really am, man. Tom, you know, if you get any time, you want to come spend a little time down in Nashville, you know, I'd be, be happy to host you, brother. Well, that's good because my daughter has an interest in Vanderbilt. Okay. All right. Come on. Come on through. Come on All through. Right. Coach, thank you so much. Best of luck. We appreciate the time. I appreciate you, man. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Tom's Talks with me, Tom McGinnis, on the 76ers Podcast Network. Check for new episodes every weekend.